add your maze tattoo, update your conspiracy board, and get ready to weather the storm with us as we return to Haven. This is Trouble, the self-proclaimed number one Haven rewatch podcast, debuting back in 2010 as a sci-fi channel original show. Haven stars Emily Rose, Lucas Bryan, and Eric Balfour as they take on a different curse every week while trying to solve the mysteries of Haven. I am your first host and our father's son podcasting duo, Alex French. And I am Rich French, the French whose March Madness bracket will not win at all. All right. We are back for episode nine of season two. It is called Lockdown. As usual, we're going to do a summary of the episode to let you get you in on what was going on, just in case you missed the episode. It's been a while or you haven't made the jump from Netflix to Tubi. And we're just going to jump right in. All right. So the episode begins with uh, Nathan's walking down the street, blah, 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 blah. When he gets to the Haven police headquarters, right, he sees our favorite fixer, Dwight Hendrickson, getting, you know, under arrest, getting led into the station, right? Right. So Officer uh, Paul Stark uh, has uh, arrested him for doing a breaking and entering at a, a meat processing plant. And uh, he, t- he tells him, hey, uh, Chief Warnos will take care of it. And then Paul's like, hey, uh, yeah, new chief in charge, you know, so no more special treatment for special people. And uh, Nathan gets him to release him and uh, not only releases him, tells him about the new chief, Merrill. He's a reformer from Brunswick, gives him a donut, a sprinkle donut at that and his crossbow back and, uh, you know, goes on with his day. Right. So the cop goes uh, into the police station. He's got these black leather gloves on. Goes into the bathroom, takes his gloves off, and we see that he's got kind of black, veiny hands. He's looking kind of like, oh, shit, gets really sick. The black, veiny sickness spreads to his face. He gets super sick and falls to the ground and dies in the bathroom. Right, and then next, uh, Nathan goes into his back to his shared office with Audrey, and then he is, uh, you know, he's basically going to cover the night shift for her so she can go meet with Chris. And then Laverne calls and says uh, they got a visitor, and it turns out it's Duke who wants to uh, talk to Nathan. Right. Duke tells him, you know, hey, I know why you got ousted as chief. It was because of the Rev, and guess what? Evie's working for him, so we need to interrogate her. I thought you want to get in on this. I said it was parking tickets, blah, 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 blah. Right. And uh, at the end of their conversation, they noticed uh, the bathroom that uh, Paul Stark went into this like black ooze coming out from it, you know, almost looks like black blood or, you know, Texas tea as the Beverly Hillbillies would say coming out of it. And Chris, uh, so Audrey's back in her office when Chris makes his triumphant return, storming in and making out with her in front of everyone to much embarrassment by Audrey. Uh, they're supposed to go on a date. She wants to go to like the, what, a fair or something or a parade. parade. Yeah. Yeah, parade. Chris is against it, wants to spend it more privately. She's like, no. And then they get the call. You know, she gets a call from Nathan, you know, hey, hey, need your help. Come to the bathroom. She's like, oh, Chris is pissed. So and then she finds a body, declares he's dead. Yeah, because uh, no one else could tell. Oh, and that's when we get our first sighting of the new chief while there. And, you know, Duke also came up and we get our first sighting of uh, Chief Merrill, who comes up and uh, is like right off the bat. It's a chemical agent, you know, and uh you guys need to investigate that this is some type of chemical attack against uh, the HPD. And that's what he sends them off to investigate. Right. And they kind of chat and stuff. But the next kind of big point is Evie comes in and, uh, you know, Nathan's like, you want to do this right now? And he's like, no, look, idiot, she's infected. 
Uh, the new chief comes and sees. He's like, oh, my God, we got to lock down the fucking police station. Nobody in or out. This is, you know, this thing is spreading. So everybody fucking turn in your guns and shit. And we're going to we're going to fucking figure this out. Right. And at one point, Nathan walks into the chief's office and he hears the chief on his cell phone you know, talking to someone, telling him, hey, I got it covered. I'll take care of it. And, you know, and I'll await further instructions. So now we know Chief Merrill is really being directed by someone else. And we have our suspicions who that is. <clears throat> right. They, there's a doctor locked in with them. Dr. Uh, Underwood. Yeah. Hugh Underwood. Hugh Underwood. Uh-huh. I feel like there's just a there's just a joke in there. Huge underwood or something. Yeah. Huge um, wood. Yeah. Something. So he inspects the body. He's like, hey, this isn't a normal virus. And basically, you know, they're like, oh, great. It's a trouble. Like, uh, but, uh, but, you know, as the, as, you know, as the Audrey also, Audrey also kind of plants a secret gun for herself that Chris sees. So she's like, yeah, put it in the evidence room just in case I need it. Uh, just so we have access to something. Yeah, so Audrey and Nathan decide to go talk talk to the chief about what's going on, and uh, the chief gets you know pretty worked up, and he tells them, "Hey, if anyone comes in and out of the building, they, they you know goes out of the building, they will be shot." And Nathan's like, "Shot by who?" And then the chief's like, "I have armed men that stationed outside the building, and they won't stand down uh, only under my orders." And then he starts uh, kind of freaking out about the troubled. And then he starts all the black ink type stuff just starts rapidly moving through his body. And he dies with his last words. Your kind won't win. Yeah. So he was aware of all the troubles and shit. Also, um, Dwight is outside in a truck watching. He's like, yeah, hey, Nathan, uh, they got radio contact with each other. He's like, there's a bunch of armed dudes and shit. So uh, what the chief said is correct. So you better stay in there. Yeah. One of the key things earlier that Dwight learned for him was that uh, someone had notified the state police and the CDC that they shouldn't take any uh, you know, calls from uh, the Haven Police Department because they, they would be pranks. So um, that's kind of why no one was coming to help them. Right. So they started, you know, working the case. Let's figure this out. So uh, Duke and Nathan decide to interrogate Evie where the whole truth comes out about the Rev, right? And how long she's been working with them, why she was doing it, right? And that they had to depose Nathan, right? Right, because uh, Duke Duke essentially is special and he has stuff he needs to learn and Nathan would uh, be a hindrance to that, hence why Nathan had to be removed. Yeah, and Evie's very apologetic about the whole thing with Duke and not all of it was fake, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Duke's pretty pissed, and he's like, are you that naive, or was all the money they paid you? And then she says, it it wasn't about the money, which means she was paid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Audrey starts interviewing people. She, you know, Chris is kind of pissed off at the formality of having to be interviewed, but, uh, you know, just to make things normal and fair. Then she talks to our next person, Nikki, and uh, Nikki's so nervous she's chewing on a styrofoam cup. Yeah, Nikki Coleman, like she's just like picking it apart in, in her hands. But Audrey's kind of got her head down, doesn't really seem to notice it. As you can tell by us mentioning that, it's important. <laughs> Meanwhile, Evie kind of freaks out and decides, like, I got to fucking talk to them, blah, 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 blah. Goes running out of the building in a just total panic, gets shot by a sniper. Duke catches her falling dead body, brings her inside, is going to go charge out and fucking, you know, kill the snipers. Uh, who just also just said he was too special. They couldn't shoot him. So we know that they're under orders from the Rev, apparently, because that's who had the sim- similar uh, ideas. 
And uh, before he can go back out, he punches Nathan to try to escape, and Nathan knocks him out from behind and locks him in a cell. In which uh, apparently Audrey didn't think it was too cool by yeah, the way she looked at him. And uh, But it saved his life. But it saved his life. But Duke was like, if you're a real friend, you would let me out, blah, blah, blah. He'll never forgive this. You know what this means to me, et cetera, et cetera. But Nathan keeps him locked up for his own good. Right. And then Audrey goes to Merrill's office, start looking through his stuff. And then she noticed in a trash can, bingo, look, here's another styrofoam cup that's all, to- you know, all torn up like the one that Nikki did in my office. Now I know it's Nikki. Yeah, we put the clues together. Nikki's talked to everybody who's been infected. They, she confronts Nikki. Nikki's like, oh, it's kind of brought on because he's back in my life and he's fucking terrorizing me. This man, she figures out it's a man in her life that's, you know, abusing her. That's caused the trouble to arise and uh, put at two and two. Point, to, what's that? I would say at, at this point, while Audrey's talking to her, uh, Chris, the idiot, c- comes in and he's like, not you know, like by her door. And he's like, I suppose I won't bother you with this. And he shows her his... Uh, dark hands from the the yeah. curse that is now he's infected and so he's being, he's being a giant fucking baby and wants to get out and the only way out is this doctor's like hey you know yeah. what does the doctor say again dr underwood's like well you, you know chris if you can you know if i could get you to a hospital i could save you but they'll never let us out so we're gonna need a gun or something Chris knows exactly where to get a gun because he saw Audrey earlier. They get the gun. Turns out Dr. Underwood's a complete fucking psycho, lifetime movie psycho. Uh, is going to kill Nikki in front of everyone. And Audrey, basically, Chris realizing his mistake, distracts Mr. Underwood, Dr. Underwood while Audrey tells Nikki, hey, you got to kill him. Fucking poison him. So yeah, She tells her, yeah, basically, you know, you need to fight. You need to stand up for yourself. And that's exactly what Nikki does. Nikki stands up, faces him, you know, calls him out, calls him a coward. And then uh, says just basically with as much vile as she could, you know, rotten hell, which he starts doing. It, the disease attacks him faster than it attacks anyone else and kills him before he could even get off a shot. Right. It's a situation resolved there. Dwight tries to get in the building. Nathan's letting him in. The The armed guards open fire and Dwight takes all the hits, uh, takes all the bullets. None hit the walls. None hit Nathan. Uh, he shows him the bulletproof vest and reveals I am. Bullets are attracted to me. So we kind of learned somewhat what Dwight's trouble is. Right. And then uh, next we see Duke, who's mourning over Evie's body. And while he's, you know, pulling the sheet over her head, he notices the Rev is watching him. And the Rev says he's sorry for his loss. Prick, he caused it, but he's sorry for his loss and uh, tells him that he can help him. But Duke has to prove he's worthy first. And in a surprise uh, gesture, Duke calls the Rev and says, thank you. And then the Rev walks off and says he'll pray for her. Yeah, and he gives Audrey the death glare as he leaves, talking to those armed guards, so he definitely knows them. We definitely know the new chief had been talking to him. But Audrey leaves to go talk to Chris at the docks where they break up. Chris realizes you know, he let his trouble kind of get out of control, but he hopes once the troubles are over, they can get back together uh, again. And Audrey just gl- glances sadly out to sea with her broken heart pretty par for the course on haven all right that is episode nine lockdown what was your opinion on this one? Oh, oh boy i've been waiting for this so actually i can <laughs> uh, i can sum up this uh, episode in two words only you know and save everyone time uh straight trash 
It is wow. straight trash. And that description is the kindest label I could give it. I mean, the writing was poor. The acting wasn't that good by much of the cast either. There were many inconsistencies and, and some of the ways the characters behave and what they said was just flat out ridiculous. I mean, it, it was almost like they knew what they wanted to, what the outcome to be, and they just mashed a bunch of shit together to try to get there, even if it didn't make sense or was ridiculous. I mean, there were a couple of good points about the episode, uh, Lucas Bryan and Adam Copeland, and obviously I'll admit my bias there. You know, and, that, and, and I think it's important to cover the topic of domestic abuse because, uh, and I thought, you know, at times in a ham-handed way, they handle that fairly, fairly well because it's a topic that's always been important to me. And uh, so I, I did like like that. I, I like Nikki at the end standing up for herself. That's pretty cool. I also take it as a positive that the Chris Brody character arc is done for now. So and when I factor in the, those few positive things, I rate the episode a three on the French meter. And wow, uh, a three. It originally was a two. And just because I like Nikki, uh, you know, Lucas and Adam's parts and how Nikki stood up for herself at the end. And I thought she played it really well. That moved it up to a three. Otherwise, it would have been a two. It's possibly, I'm pretty sure this is the worst episode I've seen of Haven. <laughs> this is the worst episode of Haven? For me, yeah. I hated it. I, I had a hard time even completing this because I just, I'd rather go mow the lawn or do laundry than watch this episode anymore. More I than the it. Maximum Overdrive episode? That was like I, I the know. low of the show for you. I, I, I just, I, I hate it. I just, just think it's bad. And it's, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about specific things that are bad about it. Cause I have, a, I want to get your take on a lot of things, you know, and maybe I'm overreacting and, you know. Uh, I give this like a somewhere between a five and a six. I don't know. I want to, you know, I give it like a, probably like a, probably like a six. I give it okay. I'll give oh, it an okay. God. <laughs> oh, this is bad. Well, I'm just kind of like a sucker for these types of episodes. I love the lockdown, just, the, the, the standard love, lockdown. Yeah, I love stuff like this. Like they mentioned, the you know, the last big bottle episode they did was the murder mystery house. And that one I liked. Uh, so I kind of like when, you know, they get locked in together and, you know, some people are getting infected slowly, you know, over time. This reminds me of like, you know, zombie movies or like Dawn of the Dead or something. Reminds me of my childhood. Uh. <laughs> yes, we would lock him in the house and uh, feed him with a slingshot, tie Grab a pork chop around the, and, yeah, tie a pork chop around your neck so the dog would play with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I meant watching Dawn of the Dead. Reminds me of my childhood. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. I'm kind of just a sucker for these types of episodes. But I will admit, and like I said, I, I like Nathan and Dwight in this, or like you said, I should say, I like. Nathan and Dwight in this for the most part um it's almost like I like the concept but just kind of it's probably closer to a five than a six honestly it's probably a five of like total neutrality of like I like the concept and I love the idea but there's so many misfires on so many different aspects that it's kind of hard to reconcile that so I guess I am pretty close to a three but I, I won't say it's bad as much as I would say because there's what last episode I said, I just have no feelings on the episode at all. That I was completely neutral. That yeah, you know, it didn't really mean anything yeah. to me one way or the other. This one's the opposite where it's like, oh, I like certain things a bunch, but there's certain things that are just fucking horrible. Like, yeah, no, I agree with you. I, <laughs> I like lockdown episodes, man. You know, hey, you know, that's those are, you know, that just kind of standard for any type of cop show. You're going to have a lockdown episode at some point. Not even cop shows. A lot of shows you're going to have a lockdown. 
and if like, it's uh, three fourths of old Star Trek, the original series is like yeah. of what I've watched. I haven't watched all of it, but I feel like especially in the first season is it was like uh, almost every episode is like, for some reason, we got to lock down the Enterprise. Nobody gets in or out like it, it certainly isn't an excuse to not have to make sets, I swear. But everybody has to stay on the ship. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and noticeably, there was no commentary for this episode. And to uh, be honest, I don't know if I would have been able to watch well, it. Yeah, there was. What? Yeah, there was a yeah, there was a commentary for this episode. I listened. I watched it today with the commentary. Really? I I swore <laughs> I looked for it. Oh, I guess man. I did. <laughs> I guess I have the inside scoop on the commentaries. Well, yeah, that was uh, well, that's piss poor planning on my. Part, which ended he up just, with this poor perform. I, I guess because I hate this episode so fucking much <laughs> that uh, I just, I, I guess I, I mentally blocked it out because I, I like swore to, I yeah, for it. I like to believe that you saw it and then, you know, just subconsciously moved past it and pretend, you know, and like your brain tricked you into not seeing it because you didn't want to watch it again. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is if I would have watched the commentary, they probably would have gave some facts that, uh, you know, and, and, and some explanations that made me probably bring it up probably closer to a five. Because that's happened before with some episodes that I thought were pretty crappy, and they uh, the the commentary did gain them a point or two points in uh, uh, in the French No, not really. It doesn't really do much. Uh, there's a couple of things that when we get to them, I'll kind of tell you. But it's the Zuckerman sisters again. Uh, Nora and uh, Lila, I think, is actually how you pronounce it. I think we said Lila before. It's I think she said Lila on this one. Uh, they provide the commentary. They're good. Once again, they go. They do explain though that their love of uh, their Chris Brody love is actually because they were big nine hundred two one zero fans back in the day. So. Well, who wasn't back in those days, right? <laughs> so that's why Jason Priestley. That's why they you know fawn over him in the commentary because they were big fans. Yeah. They pro- probably created this trouble because of that, his, <laughs> his trouble, right? So that uh, everyone would have to fawn over him like they used to in their in their teeny years. Yeah, so they uh, the majority of the commentary is actually spent explaining what a bottle episode is. But we've done that on previous episodes, so I'm not going to really get into that because I think I asked you, like, oh, do you know what a bottle episode is? You weren't aware, and we t- discussed it and defined it and everything. Talked about, like, some of – I talked about some of our, my one of my favorite bottle episodes, et cetera. So right. we're not going to go into it, but that's a lot of the commentaries, them explaining the concept of a bottle episode and how a lot of the time it's budget and, you know, it's it's because of budget, right? Where there's no more money. So they're like, okay, we need an episode this season where we're just in one basically location just to save some money. And right. actually, okay, I, I, this is this was interesting. The last scene with Audrey and Chris on the dock was supposed to be at the police station, but since Priestley directed the episode, on this mm. one, he he was the one who made the executive decision to move it somewhere else because he's like, yeah, we're si- everybody's sick of looking at the police station on this episode. We need like something better, like visually better, like you know, a horizon for them to look at and shit. So he's the one who moved him, moved that scene to the bench on the. Oh, dock. really? I think okay, it was a good well, choice. That's a good choice. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, that that that's one of the few decent scenes in in the episode actually because uh, uh, I, I like. You know, Audrey's lines are really good in that scene where she talks about wanting me and needing me are two yeah. different things. I can't make you you. You have to. And, you know, and and he's probably at the most palatable he's been <laughs> in quite some time in the scene. He still sucks, but he's, he's palatable. And so good call on his part, because it would have been pretty crappy if they did that at the police station. That would have, you know, I just that, wish- 
It'd be like breaking up with someone by, by text message. Yeah, that's just <laughs> shitty. I just wish they had done this scene at the end of Audrey Parker's day off. Like, cut the London crap, cut the Vegemite crap, <laughs> and just say, you know, at the end that he, that, because he says like, oh, in London, I got kind of crazy with my trouble, you know, or like, it's kind of gone to my head a little bit, I guess. Well, it would have been nice to actually see that happen. And so on the, his three episode arc, you know, you can only get three episodes. You know, he, he broke the streak of getting four. Uh, that's why maybe his performance, that's why they didn't write the character very well. They're like, we don't know what to do with the character beyond three episodes. I think it should have ended there and us seen a little bit more in, in that episode or maybe in Roots, you know, him using his trouble to his advantage more uh, and seeing that he's a little... You know, he doesn't know how to control himself as well with other people or kept or never just had him go to London at all and kept him for the what, like one or two episodes. He was gone one episode. He was gone. Right. Yeah. They should have kept him around and then broken them up then back then to like, you know, and say this then because it just feels like this weird, unnecessary time in between. It's like, oh, he came back just to get broken up with. I don't think it's a good flow for the character. Well, and I will say about that, uh, about that last, that last scene, it was, uh, you know, it's supposed to be a sad scene, but I was actually happy. You know, I was like, yay, Chris Brody's gone. Yay. I was as happy, but it was like a sigh of like, finally, like, let's just uh, yeah. move on from this shit. Uh, at this point, I was, I, I was, I was giddy, but it's kind of speaking to the bottle episode. This is kind of something, uh, you know, I was thinking about is like when we noticed in that, that first scene. And uh, Officer Stark's taken Dwight out of the out of the uh, car. He's got gloves on. You know, yeah. he's got. You know, I'm like, well, dude, what, what? this was yeah. 2010 when you it, were filming this shit. Why you got gloves on? And I think it's uh, because, yeah, it's cheap ass. They already applied the dye to his hands and everything. So they were like, what? No, 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 no. He was like, you know, it was it was so you don't know because if he didn't have the gloves on. In universe, let's not talk about like, you know, production wise, but in universe, in story, if Nathan saw that his hands were all fucked up, it would have jump started the the plot too fast, right? Or it would have jump started the plot <clears throat> and it would have negatively impacted the reveal of finding the body, right? If there's like this like black blood that Nathan sees after seeing his kind of blackish hands, then he might go like, oh, fuck, I know who this is versus like opening the door and be like, what the fuck? Like, I... I don't think it no because they wouldn't have they wouldn't have applied makeup whatsoever at all right at the time when he was outside you put the gloves on him you don't need to apply makeup at all and then because those were probably shot different days even you know who knows yeah you know you watch the commentary I don't know I just I just found it was quite odd that he that he had gloves on and uh... I think it was him trying to hide it from other people I think it makes sense in universe totally. And it was noticeable to us, right? Because you noticed the gloves. I noticed the gloves. I was like, hey, what's he hiding? I was like, why is this guy wearing gloves? And he goes in the bathroom, pulls them off. You see the black veins. You realize, oh, okay, he's infected with something. He doesn't want people to know. So I thought in-universe it made, like, a ton of sense. Okay, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. You're giving them credit for uh, what things I don't think they thought of, actually. (laughs) And typically interiors and exteriors like that, even if it's the same – you know, it's not really the same location, right, because the police station's a set – uh, those will be shot on like different days and stuff. So I would imagine they did all that set stuff and then went shot the exteriors of the police station, like, you know, at the end of the week on like the weekend or something. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, that was, it was kind of funny, man. They started off with Meryl being a dick, like right from the beginning. Right? You know? <laughs> 
is that one of my officers down? Who are you, Duke? Well, he didn't say Duke because he didn't know who Duke yeah. was. I mean, <laughs> yeah, hey, boy. Well, so let, let's talk about new chief, new chief Merrill. Uh, one, we don't even get a first name. But oh. Then I guess, I guess, I guess Garland. It took a long time to reveal Garland. I guess Merrill, you know, was <laughs> still building up to giving us his first name, and it was going to turn out to be uh, like Perry or something. Uh, you know, Harry so, Merrill, you know, Cornelius. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, you know, so the chief is obviously a dick right from the beginning. I mean, you know, Nathan describes him as a reformer from Brunswick. So which makes you he think loves bowling. That, yeah, he, he loves bowling. And <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe pancakes. We don't know. We didn't get a chance to really get to know him as a person. But I mean, at the beginning, though, I think he's acting, you know, in a practical manner, right? Because, you know, especially if you don't know anything about the troubles, like kind of what they think he doesn't know anything about the troubles, you know, he would be like, yeah, man, this this could be a chemical attack of some variety. You know, we can't let it out, you know, so it makes sense at first until he starts with the fucking give me your cell phones and your guns. And then I'm like, okay, come on now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. when he's. When he's saying like we need to lock this shit down, makes hundred percent sense. You're like, okay, you, even though Doc Underwood is like, uh, sorry, Hugh, Huge Wood is like, he's like this virus is different. So I don't think he's like it's not spreading like a normal thing. Uh, yeah, it's moving way way faster, and it doesn't move in the the same manner. Basically, he has no clue what the fuck it is. Yeah. So it it wouldn't really be, I mean, I, I it could possibly be airborne. But, you know, at the time, then Evie had no contact with that police officer. So I but I understand locking it down. It's then, yeah, it's taking the guns, taking the cell phones and then being like, I have armed guards and snipers outside the building like to hold this. I'd be like, oh, OK, like, what the fuck? Like, first thing you should do is call the CDC and be like, we got a fucking like like wrote a virus here. Some sent do something like put up a bubble around us, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, once they realize, you know, Dwight tells them, uh, speaking of which, you know, Dwight's got a buddy everywhere, doesn't he? With, uh, yeah. But, you know, once Dwight tells them, hey, uh, we, you're cut off because they, somebody called uh, the <laughs> CDC and the state police and said, uh, hey, if you get any calls for assistance from Haven PD, it's a prank. Yeah. I, that- at the time I accepted it, but afterwards I was like, that's pretty dumb, actually. If I was the CDC, I'd be like, what? No, like, we got to go investigate this. Yeah, I just I just think that's I, I just think that's shit writing myself. So, you know, but do you I, think that's in a post twenty twenty world that you know we think more? Uh, you know, was the CDC kind of? You know, I won't say they were like not serious, but now it's like now the CDC is. Uh, yeah, dude. That back then we we had like the H H one N one virus shit happened and all of that, and, and SARS true. had happened by that time. So I'm pretty sure the yeah, CDC. SARS SARS barely impacted the United States, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't you know, but H one N one did impact the United States. So yeah, yeah, the CDC would have been like, what you know, uh, yeah, give me your chief, and uh, you know, in in its defense, it got blown up in season one of The Walking Dead that year. So it it did get blown up in season one. So I I don't, I yeah, when I when I saw (laughs) that, I was like, this is just fucking ridiculous. You guys don't you, you. like, like I said, you, you guys got this plan and you'll you'll just write any ridiculous shit to get to get to the outcome you're looking for. I, I just thought it was horrible. I mean, but like, yes, I don't think it's a great excuse, but also secondly, 
I'm glad that they even attempted to cover that base because I feel like a lot of TV shows just ignore that. And then you're like, you know, you're at home thinking, you're on the couch thinking, well, what the fuck? Where's the CDC? Where's the fucking FBI? What's going on here? Like, why don't, like, the world isn't going to find out about this? Or, like, nobody had cell phones and tweeted this out or something? So I at least like that the writers gave at least that effort. Right. Okay. So while we're talking about that, so eventually... You know, Nathan gets uh, Dwight to go to the sheriff's office, right? And, you know, and that makes sense. The sheriff is at the county level, but wouldn't uh, wouldn't the Merrill and the Revs Cabal have contacted the fucking sheriff's office too and warned them? Warned them about what? Hey, you might get prank calls from uh, regarding a, you know problems at uh, Haven Police Department. Yeah, so why, why would they, like, uh, you know, kind of warn off the CDC and the state police, but not the, the, the sheriff's department, which would make sense for them to have better relations with since the sheriff's department is on a county level. So then you think wait, they would be closer. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just confused by your question. Uh, start over. Nathan gets uh, Dwight to, uh, you know, reach out to the sheriff's office, which okay. is on a county level which uh-huh. I get that would be a closer relationship, a county level office with the city level uh, police department of Haven, but wouldn't have Merrill and the Rev and their cabal had contacted the sheriff's office and, you know, warned them about prank calls from Haven PD, like they did the CDC and the state police. I mean, that could still be true, right? That the sheriff's office are under the impression nothing bad is going on, but Dwight's friend you know, knows that the CDC and whoever, I forgot who was the other one, that the CDC has been warned off for the prank And the state calls. police, yeah. Yeah, state police. I don't, yeah. So I think, it, I think that's reasonable that the sheriff's office is also, you know, in the same category, but the one guy, you know, that Dwight's talking to, you know, is maybe a bit more clued in or just gave him the information, right? He might not know, you know, it doesn't mean – doesn't mean the sheriff's yeah. office. Oh boy, uh, I, think I don't think I don't think that's a stretch at all. I think, I don't it think is that's a stretch. a stretch. It is a stretch, but that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> I think you're but, looking. I think you're you. There's such gaping holes that are tearing through the fabric that you're now you're uh, you're kind of pushing the holes bigger and bigger. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a piece of shit. I mean, the episode but, sucks. They should be. But I don't. You know, I, <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that I don't think the gloves is an issue at all. Well, and then there's this whole scene, uh, you know, with the, where, where Chief Merrill you know, like dies in his office. And <laughs> I mean, you know, he's supposed to be this reformer from Brunswick. How the hell does he know so much about the troubles and that? I, you know, I, I get I know I know you can say the Rev, you know, he's pals with the Rev or in some cabal with the Rev. But I mean, geez, I just thought the vitriol over the troubled in this episode was just just too over the top, ridiculously over over the top well where's brunswick it's in maine you know and they they make fine bowling alleys and uh bowling (laughs) so so maybe and this is obviously uh, me doing the work of the writers but for you know we can maybe think that some of the troubled folk spill into brunswick you know what i mean like move there or something or they've had encounters with like troubled people going there and causing trouble in the past uh, that he knows about, or maybe, you know, he is just really good friends at the Rev and goes to church and has been hearing about these horrible fucking uh, troubled people at church. So it really just comes down to, he probably knows the Rev. Yeah. I, I mean, it, you gotta, you gotta take some, some work and some leaps to get there, but yeah, I guess you could say, say it's, that's plausible. But. I don't think that's as much of a leap as like the fucking like 
SWAT sniper team? Like, where where are the resources to do this? Like, coming from is this coming from like the Rev directly? Minivan Rev? That's what I assumed. That's what that's what I assumed. Like, he got his like crazy like followers to get in like mill like because who are these guys if are they like haven police because they weren't in there like are they like some swat team like haven has a swat team or something apparently well yeah i you know well if you know our listeners listen to the last episode they know that there's a you know revved up uh revs van you know playset you know where he has a mounted machine gun in his minivan so there's uh i i assume there there were the revs men but you know i guess you could you could say you know because yeah we get no answer on that so maybe they're you know they're people from merrill's you know maybe they're from his brunswick team i don't know but i always assumed they were the revs people but, okay i was like because they kind of but, seem like official tactical team but i'm like who are like who i was like who are these people like there's just like a trained response team who knows how to surround like like think about that like the tactical training to surround a building communicate with each other and like figure out all the like po- like do they have like the blueprint of the building and they're like okay so if we ever need to surround the building on the at the drop of you know a hat because this isn't like some planned event by the rev this was nikki went in there and fucking you know caused havoc on accident and new chief was like lock it down so who is this response? You know, did this did the Rev have a response team of like tactical snipers? No, that have see, blueprints of the building. Like, okay, so if we need to surround, here's exits one, two, three, four, and like da 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 da. See, this was yeah, this was planned. This this has nothing to do with the with the virus in my opinion. You know, with with the the trouble. In oh, my so opinion. you think they were you know gonna this was do this an was, assault on precinct thirteen to exactly, the Haven police department? Exactly. I think that you know, and a couple of things. Think about it. If you go back to the beginning when Nathan first goes into the office with Audrey, and she's like, "You sure you don't mind covering the graveyard ship uh, shift?" shift. Ship, yeah, there's the graveyard ship. That's the next Haven episode. When you see what happens to the Cape Rouge, but uh, nonetheless, you know, and Nathan's like, yeah, I don't mind. I'm, I'm not in charge, and uh, and then he's like, everyone's going to be at the boat parade, so he's thinking it's going to be a slow day. What better time to assault the the police station? Damn it! Now I'm defending the episode. No, I mean that makes sense. That makes sense. You've convinced me that that's why yeah. the armed tactical like expert snipers. So kind of my last thing on on uh, Chief Merrill, and this is a question for you. What did you think about Nathan overhearing Merrill's phone call in his office? I mean, it's just like convenient TV writing, you know. It's, it's absolutely, not... <laughs> absolutely fucking ridiculous. It, you know, you know, and we, we, you know, we know it's the Rev. I mean, it comes through at the end, but we knew then it was the it was the Rev. You know, I'm sorry. There's no way you're having that conversation to Rev and uh, you don't close your door. But B, you see Nathan come in, you pause and then you ask Nathan to step out while you know, close the door while you finish your call. Now, I, just, I mean, that's just ridiculous and unacceptable. No, I mean, yeah, not, not great. Uh, I will say with Chief Merrill, though, is that I think it's disappointing we didn't get more of this state of haven you know uh it's always fun when you know our you know like you know nathan's been taken out of power and we gotta like you know fucking operate under chief merrill for like a couple episodes and figure out you know we have to do our job while avoiding him and it's a little disappointing that he shows up is like here's the new chief he's kind of a bubble he's dead he died like it's already over nathan's back 
So yeah. it's just kind of this weird, once again, it's like the Chris thing where it feels like aborted. It feels like this weird, like, like a bunch of new stuff is coming. Like Chris is back. There's the new chief. It's all gone. It's over. Like, bye at the end. So I, th- I think Chief Merrill could have done with, we could have, there should have been more episodes between when, you know, Nathan gets ousted. Maybe the ousting should have happened sooner into the season or this should have happened later in the season so that we get a couple episodes of Merrill. And I will say in the commentary, the Zuckermans, I think hint at the fact that they were not happy with that. They kind of say it would have been nice to get more of him, but like that's kind of just the way it is. And yeah, no, I agree with you. It, I, I think that could have been a, a really interesting and fun dynamic was them trying to do their thing, you know, while working around Merrill. I think that, you know, and it could have built some tension over a few episodes. It it, it, it does seem kind of like a waste to use this getting Nathan ousted and then uh, right back very quickly. Yeah, it's That's, just, yeah, because like they've always had the support of, you know, old chief, obviously, because he literally helped push Audrey to do this. And obviously he's been preparing his son for this. And then Nathan was in charge. So now it could introduce the new dynamic of not having, it could introduce the new dynamic of not having someone supportive of them holding them back or like trying you know where they have to you know oh you know find ways to explain their way around what's going on and shit it would just added more drama and more pressure on the end of the season to be like we have got to get rid of fucking rev because he's installed his fucking cronies you know in multiple levels of the yeah. fucking government shit so we need a or i'm sorry police force so we need to fucking like take care of this like now but it kind of diffuses itself by the end of the episode it diffuses the overall pressure of the situation because now it's the Rev is, okay, the Rev's still there, but we kind of, you know, we kind of yeah. won this one. Yeah, basically Nathan's going to go back to being the chief, and uh, though yeah. should he necessarily if he still has the select men in his pocket. So I guess we'll see next episode, you know. True. How True. That comes Speaking out. of the Rev's victories or losses, at the end with Duke, um, let's, talk, let's, talk about, let's talk about Duke, and then we'll kind of transition to Evie. Uh, I think those are the some interesting topics <laughs> and to keep you away from talking about Chris for a minute. Yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> so your we, blood pressure sticks at yeah. a reasonable level. Uh, yeah. So Duke at the end says what he says, th- like, thanks or thank you to the rev. Yeah. It says thank you to the rev, but right, you know, what, you, what, what the, what the fuck at the end? He's like, Oh, you know, these troubled people, this is their fault. I, I've been like, what the, f- who the fuck shot her? Your fucking sniper shot her. Like, exactly. What like, what the fuck kind of logic is that? Yeah, no, I was thinking. I was thinking the same thing because uh, uh, I had a question for you. Uh, <laughs> what did you think about Duke and the Rev at the end? Was exactly my question as well. Because I mean, Duke's not an idiot. He's a smart guy. He fucking knows the Revs behind killing his wife. Now, and uh, the one thing I thought about, I mean, I thought it was ridiculous. How does he not rush the Rev and fucking strangle him or something? You know, I have no idea. I, it made no sense at all because not only that evie clearly you know i i thought i couldn't remember how her character was resolved uh now that i watched it i i vaguely remember her getting shot uh or i remember like the shot of him catching her as she gets shot <laughs> looks pretty kind of cheesy isn't uh, that pretty much all how they always resolve uh the, the characters is killing them <laughs> just shoot them yeah. uh just minion strangle her and she'll run away like we try to kill her couldn't Eleanor Carr, dump her over the stairs, break her neck. Uh, Julia, well, we sent her to Africa at least, where she probably yeah. got malaria and died. Um, so I think it's just completely ridiculous that, oh, I once again, I thought to return to what I was saying, 
I thought Evie was going to be more on board with the Rev because I didn't remember how her plot line went. But it's clear that she's not, did not yeah. like the situation she was in and yeah. felt, you know, kind of manipulated or pressured. Yeah, I got, you know, definitely after we're done with Duke, we'll, we're going to talk some more about Evie. <laughs> right, yeah, right. So, uh, but yeah, she, she, so Duke would think, okay, Rev kind of pushed her into doing something she didn't want to do. Then, the Rev set up this whole situation so the sniper, you know, his police chief is the one that caught, like, called the lockdown. And it's the sniper that fucking shot her. I don't, I don't know in what world where he's like, yeah, you know what? The Rev, not a bad dude. I'd have been like, you piece of shit. That's three things. Evie was here because you roped her in. Uh, we were in the lockdown because of your dumbass chief. And we were had a fucking sniper killer because that was your sniper. I'm not sure really what else Duke needs to hear to realize the Rev was totally the asshole in this situation on multiple accounts. Yeah, and then to talk shit to him, you gotta prove you gotta prove you're worthy. I I, I just say based upon how earlier Duke was ready (laughs) to run out the fucking door and try to take on armed men with his bare hands for shooting his (laughs) wife, you know, that type of fucking rage and that fact he fucking cold cocked Nathan in in the jaw to get out to go get himself shot. I mean, how is but that all of a sudden at the end he could hold that rage in and uh, you know, thank that's, you. Like what? Thank you. Like why now, would you be saying what, thank you? Now the one thing I will say is after the rev walks through the door, Duke gets this kind of look on his face like he's pissed. So maybe they're saying, "Hey, Duke's you know, playing along." He's going to play along. Is he he pissed at the Rev or is he pissed at the troubled people? That's like the question, right? Right. So, I mean. Because he looked like he was drinking some Kool-Aid with the Rev. Yeah. I I, I don't see how any of them did not run up to the Rev and just like fucking strangle him. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that goes for Audrey, Nathan, and Dwight. All of them. Especially. uh, Yeah. Yeah, I had a yeah. problem with that. I also Audrey like her look to Nathan when Nathan knocked out Duke. I was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "He just punched me in the fucking face, and he's gonna go get shot." I'm like, what? What yeah. do you want me to do? Be like, "Hey, Duke, let's sit down and discuss this." He wasn't gonna listen to reason. You got you had to knock him out. Yeah, I, I I observed that as well. I was like, "How are you looking at treating Nathan like that?" Nathan, Nathan and went, you know saved his fucking life because he was gonna run out there barehanded and you know get get himself shot. Yeah. Now they don't know that the Revs team is, you know, obviously trying to recruit him for something. Yeah. You know, but they don't know that information. So, you know, they think, you know, he goes out there, he gets killed. So, yeah, that was kind of like, that's what I meant when I said, you know, the acting by some of the, uh, you know, and that's probably not her fault. That's probably the writing. I was like, yeah, not acting. That's the writing. I mean, come on. That's, that, that was ridiculous. I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like definitely some like a lot like logical fallacies or whatever here where you're kind of like, how does A to, you know, there's they go from A to P, uh, I'm sorry, A to P to C. I was going to combine P and Q to Pew. (laughs) To pubes? Uh, I didn't say pubes. That was all you, man. That was coming close, close. Pew? Like Pew, like a church pew or Pew, like a last Uh, name? I don't know. I don't know. You I got pubes on the brain. Um, 
So like it's like they go from like A to P to C, where you know where you're like, oh, where's you know B? Like I don't know where I, you know where part B is, and they're like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Like it led to part C though, right? Is yeah, like you're saying, where they're forcing conclusions through improper uh, channels. Yeah, no, I, I completely that that's yeah, I I, I just and it's and this thing is like I, I think you could still do it. But, by, you could write it differently and, and get it to work. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they're on a, like a timeline crunch, you know, and they were like, dude, we just got to hammer this one through. So first, let me ask you, what, what did you think about Evie's faint maneuver and then her rationale for working for the Rev and his cabal? Um, the rationale is, I mean, yeah, the faint, I, <laughs> once again, these are questions like I don't know what you want me to say. It's not very good. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, ridiculous. Nathan wouldn't. Uh, Nathan would never have expected her to try to take the key card, you know, card yeah. key from his back pocket. Just ridiculous. But uh, yeah, so you're right. Uh, you know, that's kind of rhetorical. <laughs> you don't really have to answer that fucking one. But uh, the yeah, rationale is like, ugh, just once again, the Swiss army knife females of the show where they need certain results. So they kind of start tweaking them. Whereas it's like, does Evie seem like the type to get like uh, roped in and like, you know, manipulated like this by the rev. No, she seems like she would be the one, you know, trying to double cross the rev at some point. Right. I don't really understand how he got like, He's so, you know, like he's so charismatic and articulate that I just fell for it, you know. Like, no, the revs not the revs anti-charisma. The revs just, uh, you know, fire and brimstone. Yeah, that's he it. deals with like fear, and Evie doesn't tr- strike me as a character who is as vulnerable to that as much as she might be vulnerable to greed or, uh, you know, maybe loneliness. We could, you know, say is like a is a motivate motivational fact motivating factor, but I don't really see like that type of like of uh a, like bullying and fear mongering that he does being uh in a, 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 a way that would get her to do what he wants you know of manipulation yeah no i agree agree with you 100 percent. i mean uh i just i can't get behind uh the evie's reasoning for why she went along with this i mean it's vague and it's weak uh, yeah <laughs> basically it's a uh, duke special so yeah, and they threw her some money, but Duke special, really? <laughs> I mean, this is it's ridiculous. I mean, like she, she was threw scared. away her life because Duke's special, vaguely yeah. special. Yeah, I mean, I could have gotten behind the the she did it for the money thing, you know, because we already know she was paid. You know, she said so basically. Yeah, but how much money is the ref? Th- could could he be throwing at her? She was pulling heists around the world and stuff. And the rev minivan rev has enough money to not only fund a fucking tactical sniper SWAT team, but also pay Evie off for months. Yeah. I mean, uh, apparently so, but like I said, I could have gotten behind that, but the special bullshit is ridiculous and it doesn't honor her, the the character, the way she's been constructed in any way. It's really, (laughs) I mean, it's my opinion. It's really, it's really pathetic. And it was, it was very weak and just disgusting. Well, and her death was so, uh, I actually, in my note, had pathetic as the word. Yeah, me <laughs> for too. Her death. Me too. Uh, I mean, her death was just so lame where she's like, I got to go talk to them. I got to run out there. It's like, okay, what the fuck are you doing? Like, this isn't something like a human does. Like, a human doesn't yeah. just run out there like that yeah. doing that. No. Once again, Swiss Army knife where 
They need Duke to be mad. They need to get her out of there, out of the fucking show. Uh, her motivations completely betray who she's been this whole time. Like she's an independent thinker. She's a planner, a plotter. And all of a sudden she's like, ooh, you know, like all like common sense in the wind. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. It makes her look like a completely irrational idiot, which, like you said, that doesn't jive with the character that, that they've built at, at all. I mean, it was just ridiculous. You want answers? I'll get you answers. Yeah. <laughs> By just standing here in the crosshairs, this is how I'll get you answers. Because I'm the dummy. You know, come on. It's not that's not the character that they wrote. They changed her into something totally different to fit the goals of this episode. Now so. here, how about this? What if we did this? What if what if the infection what if the infection impaired your ability to like reason or something, right? I think that might actually lead to a bit more justification of certain characters' behaviors, right? Like Chris, maybe Chris's bad decision-making could have been because the virus impairs your ability to think uh, more rationally. That would explain why Evie runs. Obviously, that's not at all in the script, but I think that would be a good Band-Aid, right, to yeah, a I mean, the characters' if, if they could have, Yeah, it, matter of fact, if, if they would have just, you know, put that in there, that, it, you know, seems one of the, you know, they could have had uh, – Audrey could have noticed it while she was interviewing people yeah. or maybe even had, uh, you know, asshole Hugh, uh, you know, <laughs> come up and say, hey, I've looked at some of the people who are infected and it seems to be impairing their judgment a little bit or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like their brains are yeah. look a little different or something. And then – you know, that would explain Chris's just total dumbassery at the end. That would explain <laughs> Evie's just irrational flight. You could even say at the beginning, maybe that cop, you know, we could use a different story instead of the cop is following new chief's rules. What was his name? Allen or something? Paul Allen? Some oh, shit? Paul Stark. Paul Stark. Paul Stark. Distant cousin to Tony Stark. Uh, oh. Or Ned Stark. Ned Stark, maybe. Did you Did you see who played Paul Stark? Oh, no. Who was it? Joey Campbell. No way. It was the same yes. actor. Uh, <laughs> it's just the name of the actor is Joey oh, Campbell. The yeah. name of the actor is Joey Campbell. Damn. So, so that's a couple of things. You know, it's not our, our traditional way we work Joe Campbell into the episode, but we did get him in in a way. But then I started thinking about it. Could Joey Campbell be related to Nick Campbell? Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. There's a lot of Campbells going on here. It's a lot of Campbells in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> they, they love their They're, soup. They love their soup. I was thinking the same damn thing. So, you know, at the at the beginning, you could say that it's not that he was necessarily working for new chief, but that his judgment was being impaired because of the virus with like arresting, you know, Nathan could have been like, Hey, you know, you know, you know, Dwight's yeah. cool with the police. We don't force. arrest what Dwight. What are you doing him? And he's like, I, blah, 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 you know, and goes inside. Nathan's like, that guy's kind of weird. Like, I don't know what's up with him today. Wearing gloves yeah. in the middle of summer. And then, uh, and then you know, and then they find him dead in the bathroom, and you know, Nathan's like, he's acting a little weird. And at the end, Audrey's like, what the fuck are you doing, Chris? And then we find, oh, but you know, he could still be like, you know, but the way I was acting before wasn't because of the virus. I still wasn't. I'm still a jackass. So you could still, but you, so you could save the character a little bit, and and it gives you the flexibility to have the characters do some stupid fucking things that would normally not make any logical sense. Yeah, and uh, it's like I said, it, it, it's relatively it's a relatively easy fix. 
like, you, you know, and it can cover so much stuff. You can band-aid so much shit with like uh, a couple of sentences spoken. Well, and once it's, again, it's Monday morning quarterbacking, right? It's yeah, easy yeah, to yeah. say. <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? It's easy to say 10 years later, be like, why didn't you just do this? After we've seen a fully produced episode, right? As they're dealing with this too, it's all theoretical. And I mean, obviously the words are on the page, but it's all in your head and stuff. And like a lot of things... Trust me, trust me as a writer, uh, as an amateur writer, especially there's things you write that then later when you hear them, not even see them, but when you hear them like spoken out loud, you're like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Like, that's so ridiculous. So that's so preposterous, you know? Yeah. So like I had a class at a, you know, TV writing class where, you know, we would do table reads of our scripts. That's basically was the whole semester was, you know, you'd write some pages and then we, you know, you pick people in your class to read for certain characters and action, action description. There was, you know, pages of mine as they would get read out loud. I'd be like, this sounds so fucking stupid. Like, I cannot believe I wrote that. So I totally believe, and obviously there's a lot of work that goes into this. They're also professionals, et cetera. But there's a lot of times where things seem normal until you get some distance on it. And then you go, Oh my God, that's so stupid. Like, what was I thinking? Like I, and you know, and at the professional level, they can't throw their scripts under the bus in the commentary. They can't be like, Oh fuck. What, what the hell were we thinking? Like, this is terrible. These that idea be, didn't work. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Oh God, this is a bad episode. They can't say that on the commentary. True. True. No. And uh, yeah. you know, and I get it. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're successful writers and directors and you you're part of the self-proclaimed best Haven rewatch podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, and I get it. I didn't go to film school outside, but uh, I, well, no, I mean, you don't need to. I mean, oh, no, yeah, I mean, yeah. but I could see like, you know, you know, one of the things I was thinking with this is, you know, you might be, you know, on this schedule and you're going so fast and sometimes yeah. you're like, shit, we just can't stop. We just got to go with it, even if it, you know, probably isn't, uh, you know, the, the best product we could put out. Yeah. And you got your, you know, your boss is breathing down your neck. There's like a lot of money going on. There's a good chance it's being written as other episodes are being like shot and stuff. And like if you delay production, that's millions of dollars just going down the fucking toilet. Uh, so... It is, it's a, it's a sympathetic situation. It's hard to, when you're, you know, on the couch, you know, way after the fact watching, you're like, what the fuck are they thinking? But obviously in the middle of it, it's this giant, right? Like, like sports, right? Like you can be like, what the fuck was that quarterback thinking? But obviously if I was in his fucking shoes on, you know, on the field, yeah, you know, third and fucking 17, you know, defense coming every which way. I'd probably, you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to be like, yeah, you should have made the right fucking decision every time. So I like Dwight. He's one of my favorite characters. <laughs> and Adam Copeland does an awesome job. I like his uh, I like his trouble. And it's kind of interesting. But I think they got to tell us a little bit more about yeah. it pretty soon. Because <laughs> right now it just sounds so ridiculous. Because I was like, was he like magnetic maybe? So I was like, because if he's just like, if it's just specifically lead bullets, that's so bizarre. That, that, that's so that's, weird. That's shitty. That's just, yeah, that's, uh, but that's what I was thinking. But so I'm like, you know, it's got to be other things too, like ball bearings. So like, uh, like someone shoots BBs, those will come at them too. Can you imagine if that giant rolling ball in Butterfly, if he had been around for that, that thing would have chased him all around town. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been like Indiana Jones, right? With uh, <laughs> the, the boulder. And that was, uh which would make for a great scene. He could 
So I did have a question about Dwight was why did he need to get into the police station at the end? I just wasn't very clear Ooh. why he even wanted to go inside. To have Nathan's back and help him fight him off. But it was done. Yeah. Like it was over. The virus was stopped. At that yeah, point. no, no. Fight off the, uh, the guys who were going to breach from the outside, the armed men. Yeah, but they didn't. But okay, so let's even take that a step back because there was a quite you know how the fuck did Dwight get through the door? The door was locked. He just burst right through it. I mean, he's that strong. He's that. He's that. Yeah. (laughs) Metal doors like him. All right. It's just like the bullets. (laughs) Yeah, bullets tend to find him, but yeah, doors tend to uh, open open for him. He's a fixer. You know, he flung like a hair like a bobby pin and something else into the door into the lock yeah a, a, a bobby pin with a penny like in, in between <laughs> and it just immediately sprung the door use so his credit can... card like uh like fletch you know yeah yeah he's uh <laughs> i mean it was just ridiculous i'm like the door supposedly locked and nathan has the only uh key card but here comes uh here comes uh dwight just burst right through it He's a fixer. He's a fixer. But no, I, I just didn't understand what that scene really even was. Like, why did he even go in there? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, okay. And then while we're talking about that, I mean, why the hell did the armed men just up and leave after firing like a, you know, a, a round of bullets? They were ready to breach. But the fact that Dwight got went in and uh, that's they're like, oh, now there's two another Dwight's in there. We, we can't. We can't that breach the building now now well maybe gonna... they you know when he kicked open the door they saw nathan and they shot it they should they 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 might have thought they got him because uh, all those bullets were pretty much right on target they just all hit <laughs> dwight instead of nathan because they kind of like collided right like mm-hmm. right like, like so you would assume if he kind of like if you shot him in the back it would probably go through and get nathan too so uh, I would just assume that they were like, hey, it looks like, I mean, it looks like we fucking killed them. Like, we're not going to go in and breach and then kill everybody else if we just killed, like, who our target just now. Yeah, so, yeah maybe not efficient. They should have run up, you know, and, like, gone and shot, you know, put two in the skull to, like, make sure. But, uh, well, wasn't the point, the, the whole point to storm the police station and kill kill all the cursed? Wasn't that what they were supposed to do? I mean, was that? I, I, I'm I still honestly not really sure. Once again, I was very unclear about who these guys were, what was going on with them. And like, like was that their plan? Was their plan to kill Nathan? Was it to kill the troubled? Uh, are they official like cops? Are they unofficial? I liked your idea that they were going to come in and kill Nathan in the night. Uh, so now I'm kind of on that track of they are, they came to kill Nathan. So in my head, they thought they killed Nathan. So that's why they let it go. But I still don't really understand why Dwight's like, it's imperative I get in there right this second. I'm like, well, you know, if they're going to breach, wouldn't it kind of be smart for you to be outside and yeah. like maybe take them from behind or something? You know, pick them off while they're trying to get in. Yeah. With the crossbow. Just... Like, like, you know, what, what the fuck is this? The silent crossbow. Yeah. Slowly, you know, start <laughs> taking them out. And uh, exactly, exactly. Like yeah. be a counter sniper, you know, like with, well, we know what the point was. The point was for <laughs> yeah. him to expose his trouble. So of uh, bullets tending to find him and See, which is cool. As long as they explain it. And it's not, like you said, it's not just fucking bullets. Uh, it's, uh, it, but it, I think this scene should have actually had the snipers breaching because in my mind, the situation's resolved. The virus is stopped. 
I don't understand why Dwight's like, I got to get in there right this second. It's like nothing like there's no there's no threat right now. Like it's over. Plot's yeah. over. They, they could have them like breach. Yeah. And, you know, and then Dwight, like, you know, trying to take them out from the, the side or behind. And then 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 they could have like sheriff cars pull up. And then, you know, and then they got, you know, sheriff cars, like the sirens, they hear them and then they go like, oh, we got to go. And then and then they leave. <laughs> but, but then yeah. again, remember, whole purpose of the episode is to keep the budget low. So, yeah, we're trying to keep events to the minimum. You know, maybe they had something cooler in mind and a, a siren or we, we, we couldn't just do a siren sound. I mean, really, that's that's too hey, expensive. Maybe you never know having like police lights at night in this small town on the street. Maybe that's like, you know, going to cost more permits and stuff to have the the lights at, at like past okay, 9 just just the sirens, just the sound of the sirens. Well, the sound would be OK. Yeah, the sound. Then it kind of it sounds in. like, you yeah, I know you can edit that in. in. I know, I know, I know. But if you just hear sirens coming and then the guys are like, oh, we got to go. And I don't know. It feels almost a little like powers, Power Rangers to me or something. Or well, like, like the putties. They're the putties. Yeah. <laughs> Not putties exactly. But like you hear like, you know, because Power Rangers, right, is the scenes where they're in costume is from the Japanese show. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, whatever the fuck is called. And then the scenes where they're not in costume or where they have the helmets off, it's those are the Amer- the newly shot American clips, like re-spliced. So every once in a while, they'd be reacting to things that they couldn't show on camera because they didn't have the original costume or something. So it'd be like, oh, my God, here comes blah, blah, let's get out of here. And then there wouldn't be, like, evidence of that. So it just has this, like, tacky feel to it, you know. So I don't know. Maybe that's what they're – but I, I, I do understand that there's there are easy fixes, and I'm sure they were just like, this is, this is dirty and easy. Let's just uh, – like a Big Mac, it's dirty and easy. Let's just get it done. Oh, Jesus. I mean, there were some there were some interesting things like, uh, yeah. Did you have anything else on Dwight though? Trying to stay on, you know, stay on the, point here. The sisters, the writers brought up Dwight in the well. They brought up Edge in the uh, in the commentary, which is a pretty, which is some pretty fun stuff. As they saw, you know, they did were they, given. Did they call? Did they call him WWE Superstar Edge? Well, they said WWE. Uh, they said wrestler, they said Adam Copeland, and they said Edge. So they they, they got everything. Uh, I don't know the if bases. they said superstar, but they had all the components, and not necessarily in that order. Uh, so, but they did say they were like, yeah, you know, this information was brought to us that this WWE guy was going to be a character, and they were like, oh no, like, ugh, great. Like, but then we looked up Edge and thought this guy looks cool as fuck. Like, this guy is probably the coolest guy in the world. They're like, so yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they, they were probably like, if we were, uh, you know, googly eyes for Jason Priestley, oh my God, this takes <laughs> it up like uh, 50 levels. Yeah. So they, they liked Edge and they're like, and he's a really big guy, they're like, but he's really cool, really nice. So, they're like, you know, you're kind of intimidated because he's very large, but yeah, like, he's, I mean, he's a cool guy. That's what they said. Well, and he happens to be pretty good, I think. But, you know. Oh, yeah. He's, a, he's, he's, he's definitely, definitely. One of the keepers of the supporting characters they introduce of where you're like, uh, you know, you're like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, Jess, I like, but maybe I just like her in theory and not actually in execution. Yeah, yeah. Julia, same thing. I think I just like in theory, but not execution. And then, but I think, yeah, like Evie, I think Evie was pretty good till the end. Till the end. Evie, I would also say maybe in. Once again, I would say Evie, Evie the character was cool, but they just didn't find good uses for her, I think, throughout the season. There was just so many episodes of her kind of not doing anything. We're like, all right, what the fuck? Or she's like, I'm, 
let me help you, Duke, steal the map. And then being like, wow, Duke, you lied to me, even though I blah, 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 blah. It's kind of like, oh, my God, like, why is this character here? Get her out. That's true. Yeah, that's true. There were some there were some points. It's just uh, they but uh, they at least had a consistent character, I thought, up until this episode yeah. <laughs> where she her actions were at least very consistent, where she's kind of wily, you know, slippery. You don't know what she's doing. What's her real motivation? She's got schemes within schemes. And then at the end, Duke special. Yeah. No, now she's an emotional, weak wreck. Yeah. But apparently there was going to be even more characters in the lockdown as well. That's what I learned from the commentary was uh, apparently Dave and Vince were going to be in on this at some point. That would have been fun. Well, they were just like, it's just too many characters. Like we didn't have the time to squeeze them in. So they got like cut because it's been a long time since we've had Dave and Vince. Right. I can't even remember what Roots was the last time I think we saw them. Yeah. They've been on a vacay. Dave's like, you know, all this money from the, the secret ring. The prostitution. <laughs> he well, he doesn't say that out loud, all right? And Vince doesn't approve, so he doesn't say where the money comes from. But Vince doesn't turn it down, you know? It's easy to say when you don't have the money that you would turn it down, uh, the profits of a highly successful secret prostitution ring. But yeah, when they put that money up to you. He could say, Dave could say stuff like, well, the funds from the ladies auxiliary is, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> We'll be able to get another printer. Oh, I think he just considers them uh, like sources, you know, Haven Herald sources, right? My secret sources I can't reveal. Because I think maybe at some point they become undercover reporters, you know. And really, it's just been Dave trying to run, you know, get a big story on the underbelly of Haven. And the sordid criminal underbelly of Haven. All right, let's talk about the the jackass in the room, Chris. Oh, dude. First question. I got I just got to, you know, what did you think about Chris's behavior and actions when he first appears in Audrey's office? The second he showed up, it was awful. Like from the second he showed up when he just grabs her and kisses her. I was like, okay, this is and because I was like, well, maybe this is like the show has an aged well type of thing. But no, Audrey was like, what the fuck? You know, like, clearly this isn't cool. I don't I like it's you know, you're. Your fucking work, you know, like this got pretty inappropriate. As we were talking about a similar subject on our newest Patreon episode about the dead zone, right? That uh, making out at work, uh, yeah. there in front of children, but here, obviously, in front of her coworkers and stuff, not super cool. Like, I don't think that's appropriate. He was just such a like. He's been a jackass in the past, right? right. Obviously, his first episode, he was a fucking dildo. In the second episode, I was pretty tired of the act and his like, I'm a scientist thing. The third episode, he was definitely was his peak. The Audrey Parker's day off episode off, where yeah. he was at his best. Uh, he seemed, I was like, well, you know, maybe he's reasonable. And then here is, and I get that's what they were going for, you know, in London with his newfound being liked and like kind of being able to get away with whatever he wants all the time. He's not used to somebody being like questioning him like that and being like, what, what the fuck are you doing? So I get yeah. it, but it just it was really hard to just it was just really hard to watch the character because he was so annoying. Not very scientisty at all. I wouldn't uh, I think I mentioned it the last episode he's in. I was like uh and I, and I was like a little disappointed in myself that I hadn't mentioned that in no way shape or form could I ever imagine him being a scientist. You know. But we talked about it. Yeah. And uh I mean cuz yeah, like you said as soon as he comes back, I mean Jesus, man, that who is he? Sean Connery in the old Bond <laughs> films, man, forcing his way on women. Y'all gonna like this, you know. <laughs> 
Christ. Yeah. It was like, it's almost like assault. I mean, really? I can't imagine anyone really wants that. Like, you know what I mean? But moving on and then her being like, well, we're going to go to like a parade. And he's like, no, fuck that. I want to go, you know, have you all to myself. It's like, what the fuck? Who are you? And like, who do you think Audrey is also, you know, like this woman you're like super into, but you're, you know, but once again, he, he, he's under the cloud of like, that he's been a, he's been a, he's been able to just say and do whatever he wants in London. So he's not really adjusted to being a normal person again. And he's got to figure out. So I at least like that, obviously in the end, you know, he kind of admits I've turned into just a annoying person who doesn't understand how to be around people anymore because of my trouble. So I need to like, you know, rather than kind of indulging himself like his father did, deciding to go the opposite way and <laughs> not become kind of, mayor, <laughs> <laughs> not become mayor, not start like banging all the girls in town. That he's like, I need to kind of go into isolation and figure myself out so I can be a reasonable human again, because I'm not like this. So I will say I kind of like the result. It's just once again, the execution, it's just hard to watch. Yeah, I mean, he, oh my God, it was, uh, dude, like in the scene where, uh, you know, him and, you know, Hugh tells him about getting the gun. I mean, that's just horrible. That's (laughs) physically painful to fucking watch. (laughs) And, you know, and here's the thing is I know he didn't write the episode, but he directed it. So he doesn't get a pass. Well, they they did say he changed certain things, too. Um, and there was a good thing we talked about that he that he changed that I agreed with. They, they well. said another thing. I can't remember what it was right now. I know. Great podcasting. I can't remember exactly at the moment, but they said there were some lines that he changed that actually I they thought and I agreed with that were better for the change. Uh, I want to say it was regarding the rev, but I can't remember specifically. But there was like some small changes, some tweaks he made in the episode that. I found to be big improvements. Well, and one thing I have to, I have to give them credit, you know, on, uh, you know, I'm, you know, hammering away here, but he did have one of the few funny lines in the, uh, in the episode, like when they, yeah, at the end, when they, he realizes it's, it's Nikki who's trouble and he's like, give me five, pa- five minutes with patient zero and I'll have her healing lepers. I mean, that was pretty funny. That was, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I just kind of wanted to Chris to shut up at that point. I was like, all right, just shut up and get out of the fucking way, man. You're just in the way. Like I said, I, I normally don't wish for a character to die on a show, you know, but <laughs> I definitely so. don't want Chris to die, but I'm good with him being gone uh, for a good long while. I I think what's funny is that they attempted to like save Evie's character right they try to kind of redeem her with like i do i did it for you but with chris there's really not much redemption it's just like yeah i'm an asshole i feel like once again what i was talking about before the virus affecting their reasoning would have redeemed him a little bit excuse me if i had my way i would have flipped that i would have made chris the more redeemable character saying hey you know uh, that big decision was not of my own choice but a bunch of the other stuff i was still a jackass before but that at least wasn't whereas evie i would have rather they the seesaw went the other way and her kind of lean more into being villainous, you know, or not even villainous per se, but more self-centered, self-centric and, you know, having her own intentions. Cause now they, sorry, we're sliding back to Evie, but she lost her own agency, right? She wasn't acting because of her mm-hmm. own wants right. and desires. She was acting because of like Duke, which is, you know, say whatever, you know, whatever the motivation is on the writer's part, but you know, it's really one, as we've said, is just an excuse. It means to an end. 
Uh, but I think it would have been better if she had been more, if this was a plot, if she was like, oh, yeah, well, you think I would fucking worship the Rev? I was using him, too, for this, for such and such. Yeah, it would have been better. I mean, because, like, you know, like I said, I know we're backsliding a bit here, but, you know, they just changed totally who the character was. Yeah. I mean, you know, and this and that's that I just thought that sloppy. And I didn't like it at all. I think we've already discussed the term pathetic and uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know there at one point nathan and audrey who wants to cut us off seriously <laughs> you don't know who wants to fucking cut you uh, could it on. be dave and vince <laughs> oh my god uh, i know jess minions behind this she's angry about the breakup still julia yeah. Carr from africa she's jamming us yeah Anyone but the Rev. The Rev wouldn't do this. He's a man of the cloth, you know, man of the Lord. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be the one behind this. I was just, yeah. You know, when they when they said those lines, I was like, ah, oh, just give me a pencil to poke in my eardrum. But uh, yeah, I actually didn't notice till I really didn't. I really didn't. It didn't really strike me as different. I hadn't really thought about it till I listened to the commentary that uh that audrey and nathan were back in their shared office for some reason it just like went over my head where i'm like yeah okay normal day at haven da, 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 da. then i was like oh yeah that's right they don't share yeah. an office anymore we haven't really yeah. seen where where audrey we saw our office i think like once or twice but really we've been hanging out in nathan's office a lot more lately no it's an it's it's the nicer digs you know of the two you know, well with like, nathan gone she doesn't have to share an office anymore she gets her own yeah. office but now, now now they're back yeah because he, he walks right in right at the beginning and into the shared office and sits down so yeah i noticed it actually but uh i really liked was at the beginning and how how happy and carefree he seems to be now that he's not in charge he's so, like, yeah 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 i wanted to bring that up as something we actually never talked about was in ball and chain we never talked about uh nathan's baby like love of like babies remember in the helena episode episode five of season one it actually we didn't never, talk about it it never came up actually we we talked about it i think before and after recording but in the actual recording we don't discuss it holy shit so uh, this is a that, perfect time to that's kind of a, rectify that that's an epic that's an epic fail on our part yeah because uh <laughs> That was a huge thing, and it was a big part. You know, they were trying to show a different side of Nathan. So then here we get it again. Yeah, so when he's walking up, it was a nice callback that Nathan kind of uh, – and this is going to be – this is a plant and payoff, as they call it, or as a teacher once called it. As a, he was melting when he saw the baby. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But we'll come uh, – we'll start – like a boomerang, that will be coming back in a second. Uh, yeah. But it was a nice callback to the fact that Nathan loves, you know, kind of – shows a different side around like particularly like infants right so as he's walking right. up he's got his donuts he's a cop of course and uh well dude yeah. he's saying he's saying hi to everyone by name it's yeah like he literally knows everyone in haven and, uh... <laughs> he probably knows the secret swat team too he's like oh dave ray like mark what the fuck we used to go to benji's all the time as kids yeah, we were on the we were on the sailing team together, and now you've <laughs> turned your back on me, bitch. Oh wait, wait, which which baseball team was Nathan on? Oh, uh, he was a Sea Dog. Yes, high hole Sea Dog. And yeah. uh, Chris is a cutter, right? Yeah, Chris is. Uh, yeah, Chris should have been cut from the cast. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he would have been cut from the team if his dad didn't. Uh, was it Rare's pole? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, he's a high ho sea dog. By so is the Rev. Yeah, even though I don't imagine the Revs from Haven, you know that that he was assigned to the Good Shepherd Church. 
Really? You think? I would imagine the refs from Haven. Well, he has to be if he was a, if he was a fucking sea dog. I mean, yeah. He, yeah, but I, he's so tuned into. I mean, I guess he could have been assigned there a long, like t- so long ago, but yeah, before the last stretch of the troubles. Yeah, I imagine yeah. to me it was always like a, and I have I absolutely no evidence to back this up, but I always no evidence, Ryan. Yeah, never had any evidence to back this up, my claim, but I always felt like it was a, a family thing, right? Like I thought maybe it was the Rev's dad and so on and so forth that this was like a family it could have been i mean it could have been this deep-seated hatred you know but not not really because he was a different person till the troubles came to haven well so, till his experience with the troubles right yeah. because no because uh, uh uh was it penny penny said he you know the troubles brought out the worst in him and uh all of his uh, bigotry and well i mean but we know the troubles have been well the troubles have been around for centuries though so it's not like they randomly appeared one time when the Rev was, you know, older or anything. They've been around for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, since, you know, uh, the founding of the town, essentially. Was. Right. So I'm saying that as, if Rev was from Haven, then the Troubles are something that would have been around before him, right? So his family might have known about them, too. But whatever. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of options we could take that the Rev came to Haven when, you know, in his, like, 20s or 30s. Uh, maybe the Rev was sympathetic to like troubled people before all the shit went down. Well, yeah, and you know, I, I see. Then that's just like I said. I, I they don't tell us, so I, I envision that he was assigned there, and things were going, you know, just peachy keen. And then the troubles came, and then he started like, and that just like you know, you know kind of torqued them all out of shape, and uh, you know, and he just got started getting darker and darker and more hatred. And bigotry to the point where Penny had to leave. Yeah, see, I see. I I like the Rev origin story of, uh, and not now. Obviously, I I can't disqualify yours at all. I'm just saying the way I envisioned it is like maybe his dad didn't like them. You know, and Rev was like, "What are you talking about?" The <laughs> little Rev is like, "What are you talking about?" They're they're people. You know, like God wants us to love. And then you know he got his own experience with them, mm-hmm. and the negative consequence made him go like, "You know what? My dad is right. Fuck these people." Yeah. Uh, it's kind of how I, I imagined it. Lil Rev, isn't that like a comedian? Lil, Lil Rev? As a rapper, actually. Rapper? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. What do you think about this this trouble? Uh, you know, Nikki's trouble and uh, the the incubation, the death rate. Um, I mean, it, it, it's kind of explained, I think, uh, <laughs> loosely is based on her emotional attachment, right? Is she wanted that guy, she wanted Doc, <laughs> she wanted Doc Wood to to die fast at the end, but she didn't want the other people necessarily to die. She just interacted with them. So they kind of caught it incidentally, whereas him, it was targeted. So I don't know. Yeah. It just seemed like it went really fast in some people, you know, and not you know, totally understood with uh huge wood there that they would, uh, <laughs> cause yeah, I mean, she was glaring at him and she was focusing all her energy and everyone else was really indirect. It was like leakage, yeah. right? You know, it was, well, we don't know how her. long the cop had it before he succumbed, you know? Well, you know, Audrey had m- mentions that, uh, she had called him to her house. Yeah. So, so we don't know what time of day that was. We don't even know. So, yeah, Stark had early, early contact with her. We don't know how early Merrill's was. It just seemed like Merrill's went super fast. Yeah, like it, he's... <laughs> went, it went from his hands to his head in like 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. His was uh, his. This is probably the only inconsistent one because Evie and uh, Chris, they don't really, you know, they have it for a decent chunk of time. 
uh, without yeah. dying from it. So I'd yeah, say exactly. That, that's what caught yeah. my eye. I think it's just the Chiefs is inconsistent. I guess maybe you could say like she could hear him screaming from his office or whatever, freaking out. You know, she's outside in the lobby and is getting more like anxious, and maybe that's what causes it to accelerate. But once again, that's a lot of legwork on our part to get to that conclusion. And to be honest, I really liked uh, the performance of Nikki Coleman. I mean, uh, domestic violence and abuse is a very serious issue. I thought she played it, you know, she acted it very, very well. And uh, and it's because uh, yeah. that's one of the things that helped the episode for me because it's kind of a subject I'm passionate about and that I, you know, just abhor domestic violence. It's horrible. You know, and even and Hugh uh, with his, you know, his death was a little hokey the way, you know, how fast it was. But I was really proud. You know, I really enjoyed how she stood up for herself in that. So, you know, th- that that was good. And uh, did you think but, Hugh Wood was over the top, though? Yes, he was. I mean, he so, was pretty insane. Uh, he was so over. Dude. And wh- how? And, and he knows. Of, I heard about uh, Haven and the troubles with their pestilence. And I'm like. <laughs> Like, really where'd you hear about that is there some like <laughs> underground chronicle you know website chronicling haven and its miscreants you know i mean hangs out on the dark web a lot you know yeah haven oh my <laughs> god and they're de- devastating pestilence <sighs> i mean maybe he was just recently in town for the the plagues in the opening of season two you know Oh, and maybe he found her by accident he was here for the boat parade you know up at tool walk bluffs true and, uh, that's true the writers did say that they they went really extreme with Hugh and uh, that they said it was just like fun to kind of go that crazy with him and make him just super menacing. But I was like, oh, is this like eh, maybe this is like 2021 speaking, but it's like, OK, this is kind of the some this is. This is so cartoonish. I This isn't what domestic abusers are like, right? They're not like licking their lips like ah, I can't wait to fucking, you know, like like abu- like that's not typically yeah. the way they are right <laughs> oh i am so gonna take advantage of you and make you that's what the change was that wasn't in the script it was the way he was like grabbing her hair like the way he was mm-hmm. acting uh that wasn't really they were like yeah that wasn't in the script that uh priestly added which they were like and i think it adds to the uh, it adds if they're gonna go over the top with him you might that's well, the way to go over the top. You might as well push it in a more like physical manner like that versus like, you know, him being a super villain, like waving the gun around like, I'm going to kill everybody in here. You know, uh, like he's not some 40s mobster uh, <laughs> or the guy yeah. from like wacky races or whatever. The the dude with the mustache always putting the girl on the train tracks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, da- the damsel das- in distress. Dastardly. Dirk da- Dastardly? Something like that. Or Dastardly Dirk. It's one of those. Something like that. And Muttley is the dog. So I, it, I thought it, I thought they kind of, like, misrepresent. You know, something like The Shining, right, has, a I think, an amazing, an amazing view of somebody who is an abuser. But, you know, in his mind... He's like, I'm a good, you know, I, I want to be a good guy. I just get so fucking angry. And like the second, like I start drinking, I lose control and I don't like necessarily want to hurt people, but I also like, I'm not doing enough to stop myself ever. Right. Like, and I like right. it's a monster within you or within the abuser that, you know, I don't know if they're like this fucking two dimensional, like psycho villain, like, ah, I can't wait to beat you up. Like as much as it's like something that sets them off. Right. That, 
or you know it's an ex- or they find excuses to do it right yeah yeah that's so, I don't know I thought it was just kind of a cartoonish view of on his end her end I thought was uh like you were saying I thought it was pretty emotionally accurate or I don't know about accurate but emotionally uh genuine right yeah I thought I mean I thought she did a good really good job with it and uh that was uh <laughs> dude after the first interview really audrey didn't uh, figure it out that that was who it was i mean come on man i was gonna say in our summary was that of course the only like real new guy character who's alive is the abuser like surprise surprise who else could it have been except uh hugh hugh wood right well and then and uh you know and she should have realized Nikki was the troubled one right the first time, you know, and she's in there and she's, you could see something's wrong. She's holding something back. I mean, but she's still thinking about that kiss Chris gave her. (laughs) She's thinking if she has to file an assault complaint (laughs) with with Nathan over that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And Hey, you know, I thought it was a pretty clever little trick of uh, logging, you know, the, the little snub shooter into evidence. So the chief couldn't get it. Now it did look like she just put it in an inner office envelope and and, (laughs) And didn't write anything on it. Just as like, yeah, take this. Yeah. I'm like, really? That's, that's the, you know, the, the standard for submitting evidence, just throw it in an office envelope (laughs) and here you go, Stan, you got it, Parker. Well, what I thought was also interesting. What we found in the commentary is that although it has not been revealed is that Stan is a rev loyalist. So I was wondering, I was like, Oh, is this, you know, Stan going to like not put the gun in the evidence room? So I guess that's going to be revealed in the future. So that's a spoiler. Well, no, we talked about this in in the first episode of the season. There was a cop character. I don't know if that. No, that's him. It's the same guy. Oh, what's Stan? Okay. Yeah, Stan was, there was a whole thing in episode one where at the end, episode one of season two at the end where you were going to, the audience would find out Stan is a rev loyalist, but it got cut because they didn't have enough time for it. So that's so, kind of a secret piece of info that you know. That's I don't I, I I hate the fucking phrase. I fucking hate using these phrasings, but I guess it's like technically as of right now non-canon. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Oh boy! Because it yeah. hasn't been confirmed. Uh, but once it does, then it will enter within. If if it gets revealed by the end of the season that he is a loyalist, then you know it's it's confirmed part of the universe. But right now, it's a kind of unconfirmed little. I like some secret storyline. I feel like that's going on is he could have sabotaged something, but he didn't. It's a shame because Stan's such a nice guy. Maybe he's the one that unlocked the door that Nathan, that edge got in through. Maybe he was like, I'm going to unlock this door so these guys can get in. That's actually a reasonable point. You know, that's (laughs) uh, I mean, once again, that's way too much heavy lifting (laughs) for us. So (laughs) that's us getting our own conspiracy board and like, like, okay, well, Stan was here at 632 PM. You know, he could have conceivably, you know, stolen the keys and unlocked it. Da, da, da. Too much, a lot of work on our ends. Yeah. So, but you know, I, that's about all I can say about this episode. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, yeah. like Gump says, that's all I can say about that. That's a bad Gump. We can't do that. Okay. No. One, the last thing in the commentary that I thought was interesting was they uh, compared a lot. They were like, you know, we had this kind of episode, right? A lockdown. There's a virus in there. They're like, so, you know, we were thinking a lot about the movie. REC, which when it got made in America was titled Quarantine, where it's like the POV zombie movie or infection movie, whatever you want to fucking call it. At the time, it was hot to not call them zombies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, so they said a lot of inspiration came from that. 
All right. So our special segment is a little longer than usual. You've done that. You know the drill on this one. It's going to be season two of Haven Survivor. So head over to the second episode that I uploaded with this, the second part. Uh, it just should be titled 9.5. You can find it there. We will be going through season two to see who is the ultimate Haven Survivor again.